You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, available Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. Make sure you're subscribed, you're following the Locked On Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews, all of that good stuff. Today's episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson Show, our flag NFL show here on the Locked On NFL Network. Brian and uh, Matt Williamson do a fantastic job with that. Make sure you're checking that out as well, of course, after you listen to Lockdown Browns. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to shout out before we get to our guest here and our first pregame show of the 2021 NFL season. Um, if nobody checked it out, um, I did uh, retweet it through my social media account. Um, Bill Barr, who's been an advertiser with us for years, and this was just really cool. Um, obviously, they are a Utah-based uh, company. That's how they are affiliated with you know our owner, David Locke. Uh, the ties run strong. David out of Utah himself. Um, went into the BYU football program, and now that you know players are allowed to have endorsement deals, Bill Barr went in and actually went a unique route with this. They went into the BYU football program and offered to pay off the tuition for the 36 uh, non-scholarship BYU football players. So those football players will help build the Built Bar brand, but also had the great opportunity to call home to mom and dad and say no more college tuition that has been taken care of. So pretty cool um, from the Built Bar brand. And obviously for all you people who've been buying the bars since we've been here, um, it's nice to see a company, you know, not just stick something in their pocket, you know, turn around and maybe do some good. And obviously that was the full intention of what Built Bar went ahead and did. With that, we got a pregame show to do here. We got some things to talk about. Um, Pete uh, will be a mainstay of the pre and post, but um, obviously the Streetsboro program has been called away. Uh, dress rehearsal because Streetsboro actually opens up next week. So, you know, we'll get Pete in here and get him back in the fold eventually. Uh, so we went another route. You know, some will say a better route. He will say a better route. I'll stay <laughs> neutral on this topic. Uh, but part of the OBR, uh, and obviously, you know, they've been killing it. You've been seeing probably a lot more Steve than anybody probably needs to actually see of Steve. And I'm sure maybe his wife probably agrees with that. Um, but they've been doing a fantastic job uh, with the new show launched over there. Steve's starting to understand some of the things I've been complaining about for many years, trying to put out content at such a, you know, daily rate, which, you know, sometimes there's a lot to talk about. Sometimes there's not enough. Sometimes stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. But from the OBR. Mr. Stephen Thomas, buddy, how we doing? Good, good, and yeah, my wife is thrilled. Um, she's, you know, when I first told her, I was like, "Hey, you know, this is taking me away from you like two to three hours, four or five nights a week," and she was like, "Great, can you do more?" Yeah. So, well, you you know, you're still going to be in the house, though. Yeah, exactly. She's like, "Do they need you on site? You should go to Cleveland. I'm, so, I'm supporting you." So, uh, yeah, it's been going well. The the viewership's been fantastic. It's been fun. Um, and, uh, you know, today's been a good, it's, it's almost 10 after three as in my time, as we sit here recording this and I have yet to crack open a bottle of wine today. So lately that's a good day. You know, that's a, that's a good day when I haven't cracked into the, uh, 
the fermented grapes by this point in the day. Yeah. I wish I could agree with you, sir, on this end, but it is after <laughs> six o'clock here in Jersey, so that does make it indeed Miller time. Um, second and third segment, we're going to get some thoughts on some players, um, you know, offensive side, defensive side of the ball here, you know, keep your eyes on, uh, you know, tomorrow night in Jacksonville. With that being said, um, one Jacksonville Jaguar will not be part of tomorrow evening's affair. And in fact, it, in one calendar year, Joe Schobert went from being uh, not valued by not just one front office here in Cleveland, a second front office here in Cleveland. And then there was a front office down in Jacksonville who valued him greatly, paid him a boatload of money. And then they changed the front office down in Jacksonville. And Joe Schobert, who's still making a ton of money. And this is where it's weird, Steve. It's always tough when you have a player that was a fan favorite. You understand there's not always, you know, enough seats for every ass, and you're going to lose some guys over the year. But here we are, you know, 12 months later, and Joe Schilbert is on the schedule twice a year, and, God, that yellow and black's going to look terrible on him. The worst place. One of the two worst places he could. I mean, Joe is the kind of guy, and I know you feel uh, even more strongly about this because you know the family personally, but he's the kind of guy that, you know, when he leaves your team, you go, hey, you know, I hope good luck. Good luck wherever you go because you're a good guy and the effort and, you know, Cleveland guy, all that kind of stuff. But he's in Pittsburgh. So, you know, Joe, if you happen to hear this, don't take it personal when I don't say good luck. I, I'm sure being here in Cleveland for however many years you were here, you understand why I just, even though part of me wants to say that to you, I just can't. It, it's just, it's against my DNA. So, you know, maybe good luck 14 to 15 times a year, but uh, twice a year, you know, I just, I, I kind of hope it's not your day and I'm sure you understand why. Uh, and the other thing that, you know, kind of, you know, coincides with that. I mean, but do all you can to beat the Ravens. I mean, have oh, yeah. a day against the Ravens. <laughs> I mean, whatever you can do, um, you know, by all means. But um, it's it's certainly going to be different. And, you know, last year it was just because, you know, nobody had any thoughts of Jacksonville. And, you know, even playing them, it was like, oh, well, they'll go see Joe. I mean, in a game, obviously, that turned out to be a lot closer uh, than anybody anticipated at the time. Um, but, you know, it's weird. And eh, here's the other thing. If him and his wife ever are in Cleveland, and obviously at some point they will be at least minimal once a year, he didn't choose Pittsburgh, folks. He didn't choose it. He got <laughs> traded there. Right. So we can at least hold out a little hope that, you know, Joe is still here, one of us. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more here with Steve, obviously. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to start, uh, you know, our coverage here of the preseason opener, about 24 hours away from the time of this recording. So we're going to get to that here in just a bit. Stephen Thomas from the OBR joining Jeff Lloyd here on your latest Locked on Browns. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. For my New York Mets, 13 in a row with the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. All I ask is that you get me to training camp. So here we are, half game out of first, with the two top teams in the NL West on the schedule. Let's see how it goes. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop and mobile device and check out the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Now, I don't know if you heard, Steve, but apparently Baker Mayfield is actually not going to play on Saturday. I know we didn't get a lot of coverage on that. 
So that one's put to bed right off the bat. Um, but we'll stick here on the offensive side of the ball. And look, with only three games and the amount of wear and tear that now a 17-game season is going to put on players, last thing you want to do is have them play in a game that means nothing. So what they play, what they don't play, it really doesn't bother me as far as the, you know, the, the bulk in the meat and potatoes of this team. Everything else means so much more. But offensively, that does not mean there still aren't places to focus tomorrow. Right. And the, you need to get a look. I mean, every you know, everybody talks about your starting 22. Okay, well, let's get to the next 44 and some names on the offensive side of the ball to keep the eyes, you know, gazed upon for tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been made pretty clear that most, if not all, of the starters on offense won't play more than, you know, maybe a series or two the entire preseason. Defense, whole different side of the ball with so many new names. Those guys are going to get, I mean, maybe not a whole game or anything like that, but they're going to get a lot more snaps because they need to gel before they line up against Patrick Mahomes and company in, in less than a month. That can't be the first time they all get out there. But as far as the offense, as you said, a lot of um, – intrigue really in the in the secondary market I guess would be the way to put it um the the starting five on the offensive line we know who they are um I mean barring something horrible happening those are your starting five but we've got like what seven guys competing for three or four backup offensive line spots and seriously competing which is such a change from years past so that is where I'm going to uh have my eyes quite a bit the the uh the Michael Dunn's uh, the Drew Forbes is Chris Hubbard. How does he look coming back from that that injury and his surgery? Uh, Alex Taylor, um, you know, some guy named Blake, you know, all those guys. Uh, and of course, the rookie James Hudson. Um, where do they play? How much do they play? Who plays with the other guy? Are there specific combos? And how do they all look? You know, because uh, specifically on the interior backup side, if uh, we've seen reports, not in team, but in individual and uh, position drills that Michael Dunn has been snapping the ball um, and he was listed and it's an unofficial depth chart, but he was listed as the number two left guard. So if he shows that he can also be the number two center, does that put Nick Harris's roster spot in jeopardy? Because Nick um, last year that when he was at guard, it did not go well. He did OK at center did not go well at guard. So if you're only a center, but a guy like Michael Dunn shows that he can play too, obviously that gives him, you know, an advantage when it comes to, <coughs> excuse me, uh, choosing the 53. Same goes for Drew Forbes and James Hudson and Chris Hubbard. We know Chris Hubbard can play both guard and tackle. He's proven that uh, over the years. Uh, can uh, James Hudson do that? I think he can. I know you think he can too, but we got to see it. Same for Drew Forbes after a year off. <clears throat> does he retain some of the promise that we all thought he had? And if not, is there interest in whoever loses these battles at the end of camp for some low-level trading activity? You know, Indianapolis has had a ton of injuries on their offensive line, so that might be a destination where we see some sort of low-level swap. So I'll be very interested to watch the offensive line rotation tomorrow. And then, of course, you and I talked, I, I don't know when, when you last had me on, sometime last month, and the big thing on the offense was the 3-4-5 wide receiver battle between DPJ, um, Rashard Higgins, and Kadero Hodge. How would that shake out? 
Now, obviously, it's just camp. We haven't played a game yet. But it appears to this point as if Donovan Peoples-Jones is putting as close to a hammerlock on that third spot as you can get. He, I mean, it's three weeks still in the preseason. He could falter. But I, at this point, I think it's more of a 4-5 battle with Rashard Higgins and Kaderil Hodge. And a sneaky participant in that decision could be Demetric Felton. Because if Demetric Felton shows throughout the preseason that he can be even though he'll be listed as a running back on, on the roster, if he can be, you know, your pseudo wide receiver six, does that mean that one of those guys, you know, not only doesn't get the wide receiver four spot, but doesn't even make the roster. I mean, it's, it's potentially there. It's, I think it's unlikely, but it's, it's there. So I'm going to be watching who gets the reps, who looks like they're separating. Uh, We think we know what all three of these guys can do. Uh, We think we know what Rashard Higgins is. I know we both are very high on Kadero Hodge. Um, and DPJ has been just absolutely crushing it to the point where people keep saying, oh, he's flashing and flashing and flashing. Well, if he's constantly flashing, it no longer qualifies as flashing. Okay, that's just <laughs> he's not flashing anymore. That's what he is. So uh, if he keeps that up for another week or so, I think we can put the wide receiver three conversation to bed. So those are two spots uh, that I'm going to be interested in. De Podesta let it slip, basically, that it would be a shock to see Nick uh, Chubb tote the rock at all this preseason. I would expect the same for Kareem Hunt. So we'll see a heavy diet of uh, of Demetric Felton and uh, Dearness Johnson. As far as the rest of the offense goes, I, you know, as you know, it's all pretty set. As far as who the starters are, it's all in that backup area. And there's some pretty intriguing battles out there that we can keep an eye on tomorrow. Yeah, and this is, you know, and going back to last year and the way they handled this offensive line, and it's maybe not necessarily where you are the backup at right tackle or you the backup at left guard. It may be that you were the sixth offensive lineman, which is what Chris Hubbard was. Um, So when there was a needed guard, Chris Hubbard played guard. When there was a needed tackle, Chris Hubbard played tackle. Uh, so it's it's a pecking order based on, you know, if we think you are the best, we're going to understand that maybe it's not the best spot for you, but overall you are the best player on the offensive line. So, yes, you're hopefully going to be able to be versatile. And another thing we're talking about here when you're getting to 40 to 53 on the roster, uh, there's not a spot for you just because you do one thing really well. It may be if a guy can do two or things pretty well, that may X out something, somebody that does something very well, but that's right. the only thing they bring to the watch. Donovan Peoples-Jones, to this point, look, the only test here now is can you do it against the other team? Because, right. you know, he's not just been good this camp. He has been the best wide receiver in training camp to this point. Right. It's non-debatable day in, day out, and it's almost come to the point, you know, where it's, you know, well, here's your blip from – Donovan Peoples-Jones about today, you know, Jake Trotter always does this fantastic breakdown of every practice and, you know, usually get the two screens and notes and almost every single day, there is your Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, sentence, caption, player beat, this, that, or the other thing. So he, now it's just, you know, can you do, and we know we can do it. We've seen him do it, but now it's, you know, can you do it when other teams are now trying to take you away? are trying to stop you. And for all intents and purposes, he'll be the number one wide receiver on the field for the Browns tomorrow night. Um, He catches a couple balls early. They'll probably be confident and tell him to sit down. And this is for him, a huge, huge transition. Cause one year ago at this time, Steve, I remember where everybody was having conversations. Can this kid get through a practice? Like how much, I mean, how different was the heat in Ann Arbor 
as opposed to Cleveland <laughs> because the kid couldn't finish a practice. You know, obviously now more in tune with everything, you know, how everything works, um, you know, just in a better, better opportunity to succeed and compete right away. That, that's going to be it. And, you know, for the Browns, and we talked about this the other night with Pete, the higher and higher Donovan Peoples-Jones shows the potential that he has, it's just great for a great, great problem for the Browns to have because it won't matter what wide receivers on the field because they're going to have confidence in every single one of them and so are the quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody knows the uh, long-term implications if DPJ can you know, break out this year as far as those two large contracts in the wide receiver room moving forward. But for this year specifically, I mean, just sit back and amount. We all know how creative Kevin Stefanski can be. We all saw last year he schemes to his players' strengths, which is such a nice change around here. It's, it seems so basic and simple to you and me, but it's just, it's been a foreign concept around here. So if if you just sit back and imagine a healthy Odell, a healthy and slimmed down Jarvis Landry, and a, a, you know taking a big step forward DPJ. I mean, you haven't even gotten to Rashard Higgins and, and Kaderil Hodge and Anthony Schwartz with his 4-2 speed and all that kind of stuff. Just those three guys in tandem with the tight end room and the two running backs that we mentioned who are not going to play tomorrow night. I, I, if you're a defense man, I mean, you got to be awake nights the, trying to prepare for these guys going, I, if we shore up this over here, then this side's going to kill us. If we shore up of that over there, then, you know, 13 is going to just blaze right by us and do a highlight reel and dance in our face. You know, I mean, what do you, what do, you do? I mean, there, there's not a lot of defenses out there that have enough cover guys if all these guys are playing at the top of their game to even come close to slowing them down. So uh, his step forward this year, even though it may not be, and this is something important to note, and I know you've said this on your show before, it may not be statistically. If DPJ doesn't have, you know, 60 catches and 800 yards or whatever you want to be, if, you know, if he's 35 catches and 400 yards and that kind of stuff, that's okay. If, if he's doing his job, if he's separating better, if he's, if his releases are more consistent and more varied and he's cleaned up all the stuff, the rookie stuff that, he, you know, he was good last year, but he made rookie mistakes. If he takes a step forward in his process, that is far more important than whether or not he stuffs the stat sheet in the wide receiver room. And this is also, I mean, the playing time he got last year, it got to the position where they didn't have a choice. Uh, you lost Odell. Kadero Hodge was in for three weeks, out for three weeks. It seemed that went on the entire season. They had no choice. 11, you're going to get to play. This year, it's being made a hell of a lot different where 11 is basically telling everybody, coaches and players, I'm here to be noticed. You're going to have to play me. It's not going to be a, a question of when or you have to play me. You're going to play me because right. I have proven it day in, day out. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's becoming one of those, how do you keep this guy off the field and why would we try to kind of situations, you know? Um, like I said, the number of weapons at six's disposal, he's just got to be just dance, just giddy every day, you know, just saying, you know, 28 more days or however long it is until the Kansas City game. Everybody just stay healthy. Please, guys, just stay healthy because I could throw for a billion yards this year if you guys are all healthy. Um you're talking about uh, once again, unfortunately there's the potential for a guy like Rashard Higgins to just not get the volume of snaps and targets that somebody as good as he is should get. And it's a good problem for us to have, 
you know, as fans, this is once again, these are rich team problems, rich people problems. Like we've said, you have too many weapons. You have too many good players. You got too many guys so that, you know, Browns fans aren't going to be able to look at the top of the stat sheet, the NFL leaders probably with the potential exception of Nick Chubb and see our guys just because it, this offense, there's too, there's too much talent, too many options. And it's, it's set up in a way that you're just not going to have a 108 catch guy. Probably you're not going to have a, you know, a, a tight end that, you know, crosses 70 catches or anything. It, it's just not going to happen unless there's injuries someplace, of course. Um, and that's a good thing. It, that's a very good thing. So the fact that we don't have, you know, four top 10 receivers statistically and, and this, this in the top five and that in the top six, and all that stuff, it's a good thing. It's not a problem. And the other thing is this team still has propensity to run the ball and run it extremely well. So sometimes you just keep things at the simplest, most level. And again, like we were telling you the other day, uh, fantasy-wise, Browns may not be much for you other than maybe Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb. Um, but length in the skill position, it's fantastic. They're in a great, great position there. We're going to flip it up here because this is certainly where it's going to get a little interesting and it feels weird to almost say this, but to say that, um, and hello to the young man mowing the lawn outside. Congratulations, sir. Um, now, with that being said, this is where it gets really, really interesting. And for me to say, I, I'd almost wish like you could do you like back in the days, you whatever scrimmages you did in football, you could basically do them however you wanted. If the Browns said and Jaguars said, we just like to do like offense like seventy five percent of the time. I'd be totally down for it tomorrow night because this is where the work is needed and certainly a lot more players to watch, which we're going to get to that now in just a minute. Defensive side of the ball ahead of week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's your favorite Bill Parr flavor? Did you know that Bill Parr has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Bill Parr fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. So if you don't know the Bill Parr lineup by now, well, you're certainly missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. My favorite, of course, is the mint brownie. Certainly tastes like the Girl Scout cookie. Covered in chocolate. Can't go wrong. If you haven't tried all the flavors, I suggest the mix box where you will get two of the nine flavors, 18 bars in total. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, they are healthy too. Most of the flavors have 70 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Now, go to BillBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, 15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Again, LOCKED, 15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. Steve? And this is where it's going to get fun. And uh, I am certainly excited for defense coordinator Joe Woods. He's put in his time. He has waited uh, patiently, um, done a fantastic job, basically making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, but now we can go a little bit step higher. And with, you know, obviously some of the bigger names not going to be at his disposable. And that's fine. We know what Jadavian Clowney is going to be capable of. We know what Miles Garrett's going to be capable of. But a lot of new faces. A lot of new moving parts and some guys who maybe a year ago were thought as as the upper end of the talent pool on this Browns defense are certainly guys now who are looking to maybe see if they can just keep a roster spot. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting storylines to watch 
tomorrow night, even though, you know, it's preseason game one. And, you know, like you and I always say, hey, never forget, Brandon Whedon looked great in the 2013 preseason. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not that it means nothing, but keep it in perspective, uh, guys. But they're all, like we said earlier, with potentially nine new starters on that side of the ball, these guys need reps, you know. Uh, not, you know, the two you mentioned, they're not going to be out there, but Greg Newsom will be out there. Greedy Williams will be out there. Uh, I don't think Denzel is going to be out there. I know Anthony Walker is not going to be out there. Um, but as far as the cornerback room with those two that I mentioned, uh, how many reps does Greg Newsom get and how many reps does Greedy Williams get? How do they look? How many reps inside does Greg Newsom get versus outside, which is a relatively new storyline that I'm fascinated by. Yep. And if he can show that he can play at the same level inside as he can outside, who boy, is that a fun new toy for Joe Woods to play with right there. Get Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, and Troy Hill on the field at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> boy, I'm just, I'm giggling, man, as a fan thinking about that. So I'm going to have eyes on that. Uh, same for the safety room. Uh, I would be shocked if we see JJ3 out there, but the back end of the safety room is where all the questions are. I'm going to have, I'm curious to see Javante Moffitt. Um, I know you and I both liked him when they signed him as a UDFA out of Middleton, Middle Tennessee State. Has always been a guy who brings the wood, has his coverage ability stepped up to the point where they feel comfortable with him as the fourth or potentially third safety if Grant Delpit or Ronnie Harrison have, uh, you know, uh, short-term or long-term health issues this year. Same for rookie Richard LeCount. Um, does Sheldrick Wedwine have one last roster push in him right now? I have to believe he's on the outside looking in, but it's August, you know, I, guys play their way on and off the roster in these games. So I'll be curious to watch what he does uh, JOK, of course, you know, the big attraction for most of us as of fans. I'm assuming that he's going to play quite a bit, uh, probably at least a half. Um, I'm expecting him to be rookie-ish, not only because he's a rookie, but because he missed all that time with COVID. He's a little bit behind. But I also expect him to flash because we know what he can do. You and I studied him intently during the draft season. It, it, even if he can only be as good as he was in college right now, that's still pretty darn good, you know? So I'm very curious to see what he does and how they use him. Do they give him some edge rushing type stuff? Do they, do they, you know, keep him on the second level and, and try to improve his run fits? Do they drop him into what would be considered safety responsibilities? So maybe he's part of that fourth safety conversation. Very curious to see what he does. And then of course the interior off of the defensive line, probably the place with the most questions on the entire team um, mm -hmm. because there are so many I have no idea how it's going to shake out. Any one of these guys could end up being, you know, the second guy behind Malik Jackson or completely off the roster. Uh, Jordan Elliott, does he make a year two jump and become what a lot of people, including myself thought he could do during his draft cycle. And he frankly didn't show much of last year. Um, how many snaps does rookie Tommy Togiai earn? Because he's been pretty impressive in camp so far. But as Pete likes to say, playing the IDL as a rookie, I mean, I don't care how good you were in college. Uh, there, Those are grown-ass men in there. Uh, those are big human beings knocking each other down. It's a whole different world uh, when you go in there. Uh, same for Marvin Wilson. Do we get 2019 motivated athletic Marvin Wilson who – you know, didn't stack the, the uh, sack sheet, but was constantly disruptive. Or do we get last year's 
Marvin Wilson. Um, I don't think Malik McDowell is going to play, so he's not really in that conversation. And as far as the other guys, I think we know what we were going to get from Damian Square and Sheldon Day. They are solid, dependable, even-keeled veterans. I don't really think there's a lot of questions for them to answer. As far as they're concerned, it's just what do the young guys around them do? Do they keep their roster spot, or do the young guys surpass them? You know, I mean, I'd be okay with those two guys. They're they're good. I mean, they're not Aaron Donald, but they're solid. Uh, but I think the hope, obviously, is for the young guys to step up. Um, I, I doubt Anthony Schwartz sees the field much, but if he's out there, I want to see his speed. I want to see what they do. Do they do any of the jet sweep orbit motion funky stuff with him uh, tomorrow night, or does that wait a, a couple of weeks? Um, Jacob Phillips, your guy, uh, who I also really like, I expect him to get some playing time tomorrow, and I expect him to do exceptionally well. I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, in Brown's fandom that are surprised by just how good and how fast that kid is because he kind of got lost in the shuffle last year with all the weirdness. But I expect Jacob Phillips to be a, not to you and me, but a surprise to a lot of people uh, this season. I already mentioned Nick Harris. I'm very curious to see what Nick Harris does. That's over, of course, on the offensive side. Um, but yeah, with the defense, and then, of course, uh, the end of the cornerback uh, room, mm-hmm. the battle currently seems to be um, A.J. Green versus M.J. Stewart for that fifth spot. Uh, now, could they keep six? They could. You know, they very well, especially I've seen the last week or so, M.J. Stewart's getting some reps at safety, which is interesting to me, which if you try to read between the lines, says the coaching staff likes him. They're just not sure where. Uh, so they're trying to find a spot. They're trying to find a way to keep the guy. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting thing, uh, tomorrow, probably most likely in the second half when those guys get the majority of their snaps, but yeah, man, I mean, we could probably talk for an hour and a half just about what to keep your eyes on, on defense tomorrow, which is fun and kind of weird for the first preseason game, but that's where all the new people are. Like we said, I potentially nine new starters on that side of the ball. So lots of intrigue for that tomorrow, even though it is only preseason game one. Yeah, and one of the other things um, where you went back, you were talking about, you know, Jer- Jeremiah Wusukormoa, and this is maybe some things, uh, you know, that uh, Jacob Phillips can do is just the acceleration and the finishing of plays. And, you know, uh, Jay, okay, this is where it's different. Like the Browns, for ages, we haven't, eh, maybe Jabril Peppers at times, but where's like the assassin? Where's the dude that's going right. to make somebody really nervous? Like, oh, man. It's me and him one-on-one in the hole. And I know this guy, you know, if it was his mother, he would still go 105% (laughs) as hard as he can. And, you know, you're going to see some of that from JOK. And I'm sure you're going to see a time or two where he probably overruns the play just because he plays like his hair is on fire. Um, For me, and it seems weird. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people at this point have basically left him dead on the side of the road. But it's Mac Wilson. Look, you can't as much as Donovan Peoples-Jones' name has been mentioned almost day in, day out, so is Mac Wilson's. Right. And this is, it's great. Look, camp is great. You know, shorts, you know, whatever, all that's great. But it matters when, you know, it's live and it's on the field and it's opponent. And, you know, has Mac Wilson turned a corner? Um, some of the moves the Browns made in this offseason, it definitely made you feel that they weren't really highly anticipating a turn in play um, from Mac Wilson. But if this turns into actually now it's a thing where Mac Wilson in year three is finally, you know, able to transition and it's never been a question of effort. It's never been a question of work ethic. You know, maybe now, maybe a father, maybe things are just, you know, 
slow down on the football field because so much more is amped up in his own personal life that, you know, you can go play football and it's easier. It's relaxing. It's an escape, you know, from learning how to be a parent, which certainly is not easy. I can attest to it. Steve can attest to it, but it's, <laughs> it's time to see, like, is this, you know, is it, is it real? Is, you know, right. has Mac Wilson turned a corner on the field? And again, if he has, this is another great and unique situation for the Browns to have on their hands. Yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, the term that uh, a lot of people use is, is he all Berea or is he a player? You know, because it's easy. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I mean, and he had a really good camp as a rookie. He had a really good preseason as a rookie. And then when the lights went on, we all saw what happened. It, you know, he, he played like a fifth round rookie being thrust into the starting role. Now, last year he was battling injuries and it was a weird year overall. So, you know, maybe it is. I, I don't know. And like you said, a lot of us, and I think you and I both uh, wrote him off. We, we thought, you know, uh, he's outside looking in right now. But this a linebacker, fun, maybe drafted to, why, yeah. what, you know, it do- doesn't look good, kid. And you look at the rest of the names and, you know, then on top of all the young guys and Anthony Walker being brought in, uh, they brought um, Malcolm Smith back as an insurance policy. It pretty much spoke to, you know, they're not expecting much. But to this point, like you said, kid has been balling, man. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, I know Pete gets a lot of hate for it and you get a lot of hate for it. I don't get as much, but I get some, oh, you're just a Mac Wilson hater. No, I'm not. A, I'm rooting for the guy. Anybody who puts on brown and orange, I want, I want 90 all pro level players in camp every year. I want every single one of them to be the best in the league. I could, I'm not rooting against anybody on our team i'm simply reporting it hasn't been good so far you know the last couple of years it hasn't been good enough and the like you said the moves that this front office made between january and uh the start of camp proved that they pretty much thought the same thing but he if if this was his last chance he the to this point has made the most of it there's no denying going out swinging and if he comes up and he decides and they, he's one of the, you know, four best or if they keep five, five best linebackers, they'll keep him. They'll dump somebody else. They'll they'll trade Malcolm Smith. You know, well, well, that, that could be the, the insurance policy that is Malcolm Smith may turn out to be something that you do not need. Exactly. So and that be and like you said, for us as fans, I know you want to fight with people and say who was right and who was wrong on, on Twitter and social media. But from a team standpoint, this is a great problem to have. Having too many good players, especially at the linebacker position, which last year was just due to COVID and injuries and everything else, was just a nightmare, you know? So, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you're not rooting for Mac Wilson, anybody really, but especially I don't know how you're not rooting for the guy because, he, you know, he busts his hump. He always has. So if he can uh, finally fulfill this promise and carry it from early August into late August and then continue it on to September, Awesome, kid. I'm I'm in your corner, and I'll high-five you and buy you a beer if you want one. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, that's for me is one I'm certainly looking to. You mentioned A.J. Green. Certainly something I'm looking forward to as well. M.J. Stewart, it's interesting because the body size, although not very tall, um, kind of squattish, kind of thick. Um, so maybe safety role could do him well. Uh, always been a hitter. Um, and limited opportunities. There were times he made plays last year. Um, but now it's it's just just too much. There's too many players here, and the understanding is going to be in certain players' minds when they take that field tomorrow night in Jacksonville. That you know, I and it used to be you know I'm bowling to get out of Cleveland, hopefully. Right. But now it's I'm bowling because Cleveland can't keep me. 
and it, there's going to be a situation and it's going to come down and it'll be pretty lofty, you know, five, seven people that won't make this roster that if anybody thinks it's a surprise, it's just because they can't do simple math and come up with 53 because it's just the way it works. And there's players here that are not going to be able to be moved to a practice squad for the Browns. Right. It's not, nobody's fooled anymore with what's going on with Cleveland Browns. You're not going to be able to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. You're going to have to expose some of these guys. And if you actually do release them, you are understanding for all intents and purposes, it's not even a question that they are going to be picked up by somebody else. And it's the way it should be. And, you know, I mean, we've been talking about the stuff to keep an eye on on the defense for like 10 or 12 minutes here. We haven't even touched the edge room yet, which is a fascinating storyline uh-huh. because we know who one and two are. Uh, everyone in, in Cleveland is waiting to see about number three because I, I am shocked that there has not been a single leak of, on the tax. Like nobody knows anything on the tax situation. It's shocking to me. So the one thing that does make me wonder is, is this why tech McKinley was on waivers almost every two weeks last season? Is there something that's not being mentioned? And that's fine. Right. We don't truly need an answer, but you know, the Browns tried seven times last year to claim him on waivers to never get him. I mean, he basically did a tour of the NFL basically on, you know, the old NBA 10 day contract. Right. Yeah. And so without him, that leaves some very interesting guys in the edge rush department tomorrow night. Um, we both like Port Augustine as an edge four guy. Perfect in that role. What does Curtis Weaver look like in his first action? You know, I'm expecting him to be a little choppy. He hasn't played in 18 months or 19 months or however long. It's it's unfair to ask a guy to step on the field and look 100 percent right away. But I'm also expecting some flashes because they like him so much. Um, what does Joe Jackson have? Cameron Malvo has played well in camp for a guy that no one has talked about. He has played well. The undrafted rookie free agent, Romeo McKnight, has been intriguing to me since they signed him. He feels like a guy they want to give a redshirt year, but, you know, who knows? This is his chance. All of those guys in the edge room there, uh, with the exception of the top two, and, of course, Tack, like we mentioned, big, big night tomorrow night because that first 10 yards of a 100-meter dash is exceptionally important. And tomorrow night is the first 10 yards of the 100-meter dash that is the NFL preseason, making this roster as edge three, edge four, or edge five. So that's another spot we could talk about for probably 20 minutes, but I know we're running out of time here. Yeah, so, I mean, there's just so many names. And, look, I mean, it seems, and we've heard it from all the players that have come over here this year, that now this is now a destination people want to be. Um, But, you know, it's a job just like any other. And there's only a certain amount of opportunities. There's only a certain amount that can stay. And so you may not be bowling out to be a member of the 21 Cleveland Browns, but you may be bowling out to where you can maybe go to at least a better situation with more playing time. And a lot of memes are going to apply this tomorrow night as the Cleveland Browns, we go on a preseason, face the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is Stephen Thomas from the OBR. Um, can never say enough good things about the gentleman over there. Uh, make sure you're checking everything out as not the same Browns podcast is now a nightly thing. Um, you know, maybe we'll get some hair and makeup people in there and get these guys start looking a little bit more presentable. We'll see what we can do on that. But so you uh, advertising people, maybe you guys can help them out and get them going in that front. Um, but be sure to check that out. You guys are doing a great job, having a lot of fun and um, becomes addicting. Um, I'm, I'm sure Steve can attest to it now. It's, you know, you start to enjoy it. Once you know that light is on, you certainly have some fun with it. And since cruise ships really aren't coming back yet, Steve, 
got to find some way to wet that whistle, big guy. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a good time. And, you know, I mean, just we've had some great guests. Our, our mutual friend Mark Schofield came on and did a terrific segment. We had Alan Ball, odds expert from uh, – or Alan Bell, I'm sorry, odds expert from CBS Sportsline. And then two nights ago we had Eric Metcalf. And, man, it was 20 minutes That's before better. I stopped shaking uh, interviewing him. It was really, really cool. So, yeah, it's been going great over on the Twitch show, and uh, we're having fun. Thanks for the uh, Thanks for the pimping there. You guys want to join us? We're on Twitch at the OBR underscore Browns. I still remember talking with Eric Metcalf and explaining to him how I was in high school at the time and it was a Tuesday practice after school. And we were trying to explain to our coach the touchdown run with the juke to the outside, the juke to the, and, 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 you know, our coach, none of it sank in. And all we got was, wait, Terry Metcalf's got a kid playing in the NFL. We're like, you just listened to nothing. You didn't even hear what we said. We like, we were literally trying to act out what Eric Metcalf had done the night before which at the time was just like absolute bananas athletically because nobody, nobody was doing things like that on the field. Um, so Eric Metcalf, always uh, obviously a great pleasure and uh, still loves, loves his Cleveland Browns fans. Make sure you're following at Browns Mock Draft. Yes, that is a check mark over there. Steve didn't find a way to manipulate the system. They actually did give him one as well. So like we said the last time we spoke, they're certainly lowering the standards for, uh, I guess, those uh, checks being given out on Twitter. The show itself, Locked on Browns. Make sure you're checking it out. Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. Uh, make sure you're following or subscribed to Locked on Browns. Five-star ratings, written reviews. You guys know all the social media accounts. Make sure you're following. DMs are open. Questions, ideas for the show. Always feel free to flood me with them. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.